There were three ministers that decided to have a conversation dealing with prayer. They asked the question, what's the most effective and appropriate prayer position? In other words, what position can we be in that would have the most effective prayer? Well, the first one says, if you hold your hands such with your fingers pointing to heaven, that position can be a very effective prayer. The second one said, no, 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 no. You got to get on your knees. You got to show that you're serious. That is a position that's effective in prayer. And the third one went, you're both wrong. You got to lay prostrate on the ground with your hands and the hands down like this and your nose touching the floor. Then that's an appropriate prayer position that's effective. In the room, there happened to be a telephone repairman. And he had to chime in. He said, I disagree with all of you. I think the most effective prayer position is hanging from a power pole upside down by your boots, 40 feet in the air. We can get into those discussions that are kind of silly. But my question to us today does ask a legitimate question. What is the most powerful blood? Well, the old law used animals. But the only difference, I think, is between animal blood and man blood. So if man is greater than animals, surely man's blood is greater than animal blood. But that's not the case, is it? There's only one man's blood that counts. He is God who became flesh, and his name is Jesus. The lesson is called the blood of Christ. And the first point is powerful. Like I said, the Old Covenant relied on animal blood for its sacrifices. This was God's statement to them on how they can have an obedient faith to worship him and to offer certain offerings. It was God's design of a proper faith for the Israelites to obey God's will. Now, the blood did not rely on a blood donation. So if you brought in your best animal, nobody pricked it with a needle and you got a pint. No, you... A death had to occur. A death had to occur to receive this blood. And one of the offerings that is mentioned is the sin offering. At the Leviticus chapter 4, verses 32 through 34. If he brings a lamb as his offering for a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish, and lay his hand on the head of the sin offering, that substitution concept, right? And kill it for a sin offering in the place where they kill burnt offerings. Then the priest will take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the large altar, of burnt offering and pour out all the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. 
This offering restored relationship, at least in a, um, oh, I lost the word. Um, oh, I did lose the word. In a uh, ritual respect between the Israelite and God. You see, God put in motion the power of blood. God put this in motion. But animal blood is extremely limited. According to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. He, that is Jesus, entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. You see, the new covenant relies on blood as well. And it uses the powerful blood of Jesus Christ. Why, then, is his blood so powerful? Because it is the blood of God who became flesh. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. There, since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, talking about humanity, he, that is Jesus himself, likewise partook of the same things. That through the death, through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. Verse 15, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus blood, God who became flesh, his blood is so powerful. Just that last scripture I read is by itself a great sermon because his blood in that passage does two things. First, it destroys Satan's power over death. And I don't know about you, I don't have that power. The power is in his blood. And secondly, at the same time, those who have obedient faith in Christ are saved. It destroys Satan's power and it saves at the same time. Secondly, the blood of Christ justifies I was going to bring John Michael here and, and, and test him on some legal terms. I already know Lee got it down. Justin's getting tested. I'm Justin. John Michael. The term justifiable homicide. Come to me later, Lee, if I have mistaken this. Uh, basically is the right to kill with a preference to it in that there is no criminal guilt. It's um, declared justified because it's considered uh, 
for your personal protection. You're justified. Justifiable homicide. You're protecting yourself. You're protecting somebody else. So when the grand jury goes over this issue, if you might have been involved in it, they can say, hey, we're not going to take him to court because it's justifiable homicide. They can determine that. If it goes to court, it can come to a judge, and the judge can say, based upon the evidence, I see it's justifiable homicide. So there is no criminal guilt. Now with God, there is no sin that we commit that we can claim to be justified. There is no grand jury or judge on this earth that can say your sin is justified. You can't say the devil made me do it because the devil can't make you do it. But God, God has the power to declare a person justified. Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For as by the one man's disobedience, that would be Adam, the many were made sinners. Thank you, Adam. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. You see, this justification only comes if we are in contact with the blood of Christ. Romans 5, 9. Since therefore we have now been justified, how? By His blood much more shall we be saved by him, that is Jesus, from the wrath of God. How does his blood save us? How does it make us right before the Father? How does it make us justified? What is the power in the blood of Christ? that does this? Is it because we proved ourselves innocent by means of our great works? Sin drops our weights and measures like this, doesn't it? But if I did 51% good in my life, do I do this and then I can go to heaven? No! I can't lift that up regardless of how many good things I've done in my life. One sin drops it like this. Only the power of God's blood, Jesus' blood, can do this. It's either this or it's this. There is no in-between. And this is done at the cross. This work of God was done at the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 
For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. That is the teachings on the cross that Jesus died on the cross. But to us who are being saved, it is what? The power of God. The power of God. You see, his blood covers us spiritually. And it keeps God's wrath from us. Going back to that previous passage, who wants God's wrath in front of them? Who wants to deal with God's wrath? Anybody here want to deal with God's wrath? I hope you absolutely unequivocally say, not at all. But let me tell you, there's only one way not to have to deal with God's wrath is by the one who took it on for us. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he has that wrath taken care of. And we can get rid of that wrath if we have the blood of Christ covering our sins. Which leads me to the third point in the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ saves. Saves. John, the Apostle John, gives the analogy of, a, of Jesus being our attorney in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Now with God, oh, excuse me, being our attorney. Now being married to an attorney with my first wife who passed away and having used an attorney in a courtroom myself, I realized there are some uh, attorneys are an important thing to have on your side. However, I have never heard of one single attorney who wants to take your penalty for you. Not one. Judge Lee? No, they, they're not that magnanimous. All right, those attorneys here on earth don't want to take your punishment for you. They'll take your money, but they don't want to take your punishment for you. But Jesus... Our advocate did just that. 1 John chapter 2, latter part of verse 1. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who, the what? The righteous. The righteous. Who made him righteous? He's already righteous. He makes us righteous. He makes us righteous. He is righteous. And he's our attorney. He took our punishment on the cross. Those who first heard the gospel message spoken by Peter in Acts chapter 2 understood. Understood. You nailed him to the cross. The one who has authority in his kingdom, the one who has the ability to save you or not, the one has the, who has the ability to take away the wrath of God that's on you for crucifying Christ on the cross by your sins, that's why he came. He is the one who can save you. He is your advocate. He is your substitution. 
He is your propitiation. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. It's so powerful it is ready to save anybody in our world that's willing to turn to him at any time. It's not blood that you throw out because it's now smelly and stinky. It's pure blood of God that saves mankind. The blood of Christ is powerful. They, in Acts chapter 2, wanted salvation. So how do we come into contact with the blood of Christ? It's when we commit to Him and follow His teachings on salvation. When we're immersed into Him for the forgiveness of our sins, Acts 2.38. Or as Paul says, buried with him in baptism. Romans chapter 6 through 8. Here we receive Christ's blood. Now when I was baptized, my clothes didn't some, suddenly come red. It's a spiritual thing, isn't it? It's a spiritual thing. And his blood is so powerful. He does exactly what it was intended to do at the moment it was intended to be given. Afterwards, we walk a new life with Christ's blood covering our sins. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We were buried... Therefore, with him in baptism or immersion into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead in the tomb by God's power, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Do you know of anything else in this world or otherwise that has so much power that it can give you a new life? A life that's filled with, towards eternity of blessings, forgiveness, love, everything we want. It comes from the blood of Christ. Everything we praise Him for. This salvation brings redemption. It brings deliverance. It brings liberation. It brings salvation. And this is done by the precious blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Lastly, let me read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and following. 
knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. The lesson today is the blood of Christ. The three points are powerful, justifies, and saves. If you did not come here today with praise on your lips because of your last week, thinking, oh, it's horrible, you should leave here today with praise that will never stop because His blood is powerful. If there's anybody who has any needs of prayer, 